0: Well, I've been thinking for some time about uh, coming back to the epistle to the Hebrews, but I thought, oh, it's not very long ago that uh, I preached on this. It was actually 2011 when I've looked back through all of my records, so it's quite some time ago. And as I did when we returned to Revelation, I felt the days were so uh, needful times to be reminded of that message. And here again, you see, the message that we need to hear... Above all else is Christ, and Christ alone, and Christ in everything. That verse in Colossians, isn't it? Christ is all and in all, and nowhere is Christ set forth more clearly than in the epistle to the Hebrews. So that's where I want to come to this morning. And um, I just want to look at the first three verses this morning, but probably by way of a, a fairly long introduction, because I feel that we're dealing with such profound subjects, such profound ideas here. I've called this message Almighty God Hiding in Plain Sight. You might think, what a strange title. How's he come up with that title? Well, it's a message, it's a, it's, it's a phrase, this hiding in plain sight is a phrase that we hear frequently in the news. I heard it just the other day again uh, about the case of, of an evil police officer who um, In the whilst he was in his police uniform, um, captured a young woman and raped and murdered her, and he's serving a whole life sentence at the moment. If if I was anything to do with the justice system of this country, he'd be serving more than that. But it said that all the time, as a serving police officer, there was this evil man hiding in plain sight. We couldn't see him. All we saw was a police officer. The victim only saw a police officer who she thought would help her. He was evil, he was hiding in plain sight. But I'm going to apply the same idea to Almighty God. Almighty God, hiding in plain sight. By nature, all of us, every single one of us, every person that's ever lived, we're all poor. We're all poverty-stricken people without God. And without hope in the world, you look in the news. It's 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 awards season, isn't it? In in the in the um, Hollywood industry and the the music industry, they are it's it's always the Brits, the Oscars, all of these things coming one after another. And oh, don't they think they're so wonderful? And does doesn't the world around in general that has little look at them with envy? Oh, I wish. Oh, if only I was famous. If only I were like that. Do you know? That they are utterly poverty-stricken. They're without God. The richest, the most impressive-looking. You young people get this message on board. By nature, everyone, I don't care how smart they look to this world, they're all without God and without hope in this world of empty lives. Their empty lives are only given meaning by material indulgence. Isn't that exactly what God said by Jeremiah in chapter 2 and verse 13? He said, my people, and you could apply it to people in general, not just the the, the Israelites of his day. My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me. Who? God. And what is God? He says he is the fountain of living waters. Wouldn't you want to experience the fountain of living waters. And instead, what have they done? They've hewed out, they've carved out for themselves cisterns. Cisterns are tanks that are meant to hold water, but these are broken cisterns that can hold no water. Isn't that not what this world does all of the time? Hewing out cisterns, broken cisterns. But Christ is the answer, to my every need, as that old song says. Christ is the answer. He is, as 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, he is wisdom from God. Do you not want wisdom from God? What is the meaning of this life? Wisdom from God. Christ is wisdom from God. Don't you need righteousness? For God is righteous and holy. He is the righteousness of his people. Don't we need holiness without which no man shall see the Lord? He is our sanctification, holiness before God. And he is our redemption, our payment from the bondage of sin. He has paid it himself by being made that curse for us. He is our redemption before God. He is all and in all, yet so few seek and find him. Find him. Look for him. Find him. Where is he? Is he hiding? (laughs) He's hiding in plain sight. Paul said to the Athenians on Mars Hill in Acts 17, verse 27, he's talking about that unknown God that they had a statue to amongst all of their other idols, but he said they, they didn't know who he was. He was unknown. Paul said, I declare him to you. And he said that they sh- people should seek the Lord, if haply, if perhaps they might feel after him and find him. Listen, though he be not far from every one of us. He's not far from you. He's not far from me this morning. Here he is hiding in plain sight. Come now, confess your hopeless condition. Confess that however, like Nebuchadnezzar was so proud of what he'd done, but God brought him to know he was nothing, nothing. He was worse than the least. He was a worm compared to... God in heaven, confess your hopeless condition, call on God to open your eyes, to reveal Christ, which is to have God revealed to you, to save your immortal soul, to save it from sin, to save it from judgment to come, just judgment, to feed you with heavenly bread of life. He is that bread which came down from heaven. All scripture speaks of him. You know, he said to the Jews, the Pharisees in in, uh, Jerusalem, in John 5, 39, he said, you searched the scriptures. They were so keen to search their scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. Yes, that's right. You will find eternal life in the scriptures. He said, these scriptures are the scriptures that speak of me. Let me underline that. Luke 24 Luke 24, at verse 27, the risen Lord Jesus Christ with the disciples, the despondent disciples on the road to Emmaus, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, the scriptures, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures, what? The things concerning Jesus himself. You go to the average church that calls itself Christian today, and if they bother preaching the scriptures at all, all they will try to do is to tell you how you ought to be living and how you haven't been living aright. What Jesus did to his disciples was he comforted them with this. He expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Verse 44, when he met with them in the upper room, just before the end of Luke's gospel, he said unto them, These are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, before he went to the cross, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written, or what things? The things written in the law of Moses, in the Old Testament scriptures, in the prophets, in the Psalms. What was written in the Old Testament prophets, in Moses and the Psalms? The things concerning me, he said. Jesus said, this book is about him. Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the Scriptures. Oh, that he might open our understanding this morning, that we might understand the Scriptures. He alone, Christ, is the way to God. He said it himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. You won't find God any other way. But how can we, mortal, earthbound creatures, know anything about the things of eternity? Answer, only if God speaks. If God sends his messenger, Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, uh, the, the messenger of the covenant, behold, he shall come, says the Lord of hosts, the messenger of the covenant, whom ye delight in. If God sends his messenger, the messenger of the covenant, who is the Lord Jesus Christ, who is God himself, if he comes from heaven, knowing about the things of eternity, all about the things of eternity. How does he know? His father told him all things. He is, he said, I and my father are one. John 8, 23, he says there about his origins. He said unto them, ye are from beneath. You're just from this world. I am from above. I am from above, from heaven. Ye are of this world. I am not of this world. Do we not need to listen to him? Because as James says, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights. Has God spoken to you? Has he? Has he spoken to you? Is he maybe now speaking to you? Can you hear anything beyond the voice of a sinner, this sinner, beyond the the sound of the wind in the trees? Those who seek our promise that they will find. Jesus said it, seek and ye shall find. Seek God and you will find him. Knock and it will be opened to you. The truth, the world lies in darkness. The world lies in its material delusion without God and without hope in this world. But Jesus said, do you want to know God? Seek and you will find knock and it will be opened. Will he move your soul? As that hymn says, he moved my, I sought the Lord and afterward I knew he moved my soul to seek him seeking me. Will he move your soul to seek him? There was a Samaritan woman in John chapter 4 who was found of Christ. Oh, she found him, but she was found of him. And she went and told her neighbours. She had this encounter with this man, just a man asking for a drink by a well while his disciples went to buy some food. And uh, she spoke with him for quite some time. You can read it in John's Gospel, chapter 4. And when she's had this experience of speaking with this man who is God, she went and told her neighbours. She went and told the village, Come, see a man which told me all things that ever I did. I say to you this morning, listening to me, if you've never known God, if you've never known anything of God, come, see a man which told me all things that I ever did. Is not this the Christ? Is this not the promised Messiah of God? Where is he? He's hiding in plain sight. He's hiding in plain sight. A man, a real man, a man there is. We sing that hymn, a man there is, a real man, a real man in whom, as Paul told the Colossians, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Can you comprehend that? If you tell me you can, then please tell me how, because I can't, I can't get my head around that. It's as, as Charles Wesley wrote in that hymn, God contracted to a span, the span of an infant. There is a man in heaven who is God. Get your head. Round that There is a man in heaven who is God, and God is manifest as a man. If you would know God, God is manifest as a man. Show us the Father, and that will suffice us. suffice us, said Philip. Philip, have I been so long with you, and you have not seen me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. I and my Father are one. No man, says John, has seen God at any time the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has made him known, he has declared him, he has manifested him. God is a man, God, God, who created all things. God is a man who is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. That's been such a comfort to me and to Christine in recent weeks. We know, we, you don't know what to pray for as you ought. Am I praying beyond God's will? Ah we're very infirm, but God is touched. Our God in Christ is touched. He is a man who is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He is called in the scriptures, the friend of sinners, the friend of sinners. I call you no longer servants, I call you my friends, but yet he is the infinite God, the infinite God who has the capacity to meet the needs of every single one of that multitude whom he loved from before the beginning of time. This life only has meaning, only has purpose in knowing him. In John 17, verse 3, before he went to the cross, he said this in his prayer, this is life eternal, this is life eternal, what? That they may, the people may know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent, because that's the way we know God, is through Jesus Christ. In him alone is truth. Will you arrogantly continue, as so many do, Isaiah 28 talks about this, a refuge of lies. So many people, religious or irreligious, but they live their lives with a philosophy which is nothing more than a refuge of lies. Or will you get down in the dust? Get down in the dust and wait on the Lord to speak peace to your soul, to speak truth to your soul. Why do I want us to come to Hebrews? Christ is clearly portrayed as the fulfilment of all Scripture. There's no... Uh, don't worry, I'm not, I'm not saying that that, that uh, one bit of Scripture is, is um, to be... Neglected because of the other bits that are clearer. It, it's all scripture is profitable, as Paul wrote to Timothy, all is profitable. But this epistle, particularly, is the best commentary that there is on the Old Testament, by far the best commentary that there is. So that's why I want to come here, to show that Christ is all and is in all. And to answer all of our needs. What is portrayed here answers all our needs as sinners, helpless sinners, condemned to hell. So I've got three points then. God has spoken, first of all. He's spoken to us and he's spoken words of accomplished redemption. Just in these first three verses, God, you know, people make a lot of arguments that uh, this epistle wasn't written by the apostle Paul. I'm happy to go along with what the translators of the King James said. I, I think it was. They say he didn't put his name at the start of this because he did at the start of every other epistle, he put his name. Does that matter? He's, 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 writing, he's writing a commentary on the Old Testament. He's writing a book. He says he begins with God. Where does the story begin? It begins with God, who at sundry times, different times, and in different manners, various ways, spoke in time past, God has spoken, to the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high do you know when I read those words, I, I, I just find it overwhelming. You know when God said to Moses when he was in the burning bush, uh, in, in, uh, when, when Moses had fled, and, and God, Moses saw a bush that was burning yet was not consumed, and he came near to see what it was, and God said to him, Moses, take your shoes off your feet, for the ground on which you stand is holy ground. Do you not feel when you read these words? that these are holy words. This is holy ground. Think of this. This is what life is ultimately all about. God has spoken. This is the first point. The unknowable sovereign of the universe has spoken to some people, not to everyone. God is hiding in plain sight. He hasn't spoken to everyone. The sovereign of the universe has spoken to some people. The infinite God, the inexplicable God, the source of life. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The source of life has spoken. When did he speak? At various times in the past. It says it there. At various times in the past, he spoke. To whom? To the patriarchs, to the fathers, by the prophets, to the patriarchs. Who does he mean? All of those that were in that line from Adam that understood the gospel, that understood the way to the tree of life, the way to acceptance with God being only by the blood redemption to be accomplished by the promised seed of the woman who was Christ. The patriarchs, to Seth, to Enoch, to Noah, to Shem, to Abram, to Isaac, to Jacob, and so on, to Moses, to Joshua, to Gideon, to Samuel, to David, to Zacharias, the father of John the Baptist. He spoke to these people by the prophets, to Simeon waiting in the temple, to Anna, the prophetess, waiting for the Christ to come. He spoke to these in the past. By whom? The prophets, the prophets, God's anointed messengers, God's appointed messengers. What about? What was the message? Answer, The message was this, how God justifies sinners. Remember last time, two weeks ago, we were thinking about justification. What is it? It's to be shown to have no sin for which to be accountable. God justifies sinners when his justice demands retribution. It's all about that. And then now? What about now? In the past, he spoke by the prophets, but now in these last days, these last days began at the time of Christ and will go on till he comes again. We're in the last days, but we have been for the last 2000 years. In these last days, God has spoken by his son, by his son, another prophet. Well, yes, he is a prophet, but no altogether different. The Son is excellent above all others. The Son is better than all others. There is none greater or higher. He is God the Son. He is equal with the Father. We'll see soon in later chapters how for a little while he was made lower than the angels for the suffering of death to accomplish redemption. But he is God the Son. He is Firstly, He is God's Word that speaks and reveals God. He's spoken to us by His Son, whom He's appointed Heir of all things, by whom He made the worlds. He reveals God to us. The prophets all spoke in types and pictures pointing to Christ. Now, He has spoken with finality in only one way by His Son. God has spoken by his son. It, there's a finality about it. His voice is the voice of God to your soul. It's, he's, he's, the, the words that he has spoken is that firm foundation, ye saints of the Lord. He's, he's spoken, it's in his word. Only he has the words of eternal life. Do you remember when in John chapter 6, when there was a great following of Jesus. The, the crowds flocked to him. The Jews were rather upset about it. The pharisaical leaders were upset about it. But the crowds were flocking to him, and he fed 5,000 and more. And such a phenomenal miracle. And the crowds wanted more and more of this. Oh, here is the man who's going to save us from this Roman uh, occupation that we're living under. He he's going to bring us such material benefits. Look how he's fed us. And, uh, Jesus started to preach his gospel. And do you know what was the key thing about his gospel? You examine the gospels that are around and about in the name of Christianity, and do they pass this test? Are they the truth that God has revealed of sovereign grace? It is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. Is it the gospel of particular redemption? limited atonement. Who did Christ die for? Who did Christ come to redeem from the curse of the law? Answer, his people. The innumerable multitude that the Father loved from before the beginning of time, but them and them alone. That's the gospel of grace. That's it. He is the one who comes with that. And as Jesus started to preach that, they said... The, the the eager followers who were looking for another feeding of the 5,000, the eager followers said when they heard his doctrine and really heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can tolerate this? Who can stand this? And from that moment, many went away. And he said to the 12 that were remaining there with him, he said, will you also go away? And it was Peter that said to him, to whom shall we go, Lord? Peter didn't say, I don't find that a hard saying. Peter said, to whom shall we go? You know, there's the flesh still thinks like all these others going away. To whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. Had you not better stop and listen? He is unique. He is unique. He is the source of life. He is the word made flesh. The eternal word of God made flesh. In him was light, uh, life. And the life was the light of men. He was in the beginning with God, and he was God. He is the one who reveals God. Secondly, he is God's heir. Look, verse 2. He has appointed him heir of all things. All things in this creation are the things that belong to Christ, for he is the heir. John three thirty-five. The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hands. So he is sovereign over everything. He is sovereign. This man, this man, meek and mild, in whom there is no comeliness that we should desire him, this one who didn't impress the, the, the religious leaders when he walked this earth, they, they, they treated him with contempt, they looked on him with contempt. He is sovereign over everything. As was revealed to Nebuchadnezzar in our reading, None can stay his hand or say to him, what doest thou? Nebuchadnezzar said, this God who is revealed in Christ, whether he knew that at that time, I don't know, but this God who is revealed in Christ can do whatever he will, for he is sovereign. In Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus said, all power is given unto me. He said in John 17, verse 2, the Father has given to Jesus Christ power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as the father gave him is that not sovereign grace and particular redemption he is god's heir heir of all things is this man his son by whom he spoke the one who is all and in all the one whom we we must have he is god the creator this is so important look verse 2 the end of it by whom also he made the worlds. You know, when you, th- when you think of um, economy of words and profundity of meaning, there are few phrases of four or five words that carry more clout than that. By whom? By whom? By the Son, by the Lord Jesus Christ. By God the Son. God made the worlds. God created the universe. John 1 verse 3, all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. The Jehovah's Witnesses, we haven't seen them, fortunately, for a long time, but they used to come knocking on our door and telling us that the Lord Jesus Christ was the first created being, the first being that was made by God. I'm afraid that John 1, verse 3... No, I'm not afraid. I'm very glad. John 1, 3 scotches that erroneous, evil, wicked idea, because it says, "...all things were made by Christ." And without Christ was not anything made that was made. If Christ was made, then he couldn't have been made because nothing was made without Christ. In Colossians 1.16, all things were created by him and for him. It says exactly the same there. That in all things he, Christ, might have the preeminence. God has given him, the Lord Jesus Christ, a name which is above all. Every name. What is his name? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In Revelation 19, you see him there. His name is on him, on his majestic white stallion, victorious at the end of time. And the name is the Word of God. The Word of God. In the beginning was the Word. Psalm 138, verse 2, it says that God has magnified his Word above all his name. This is our Lord Jesus Christ. This is God, supreme, revealed to man. This uniquely displays the brightness of God's glory. Verse 3, he is the brightness of the glory of God. Show us the Father, this this meek and mild, ordinary man that was unimpressive to the the power-hungry world around. And Jesus said to Philip, "Just, just... Look at me, be with me, because he who has seen me has seen the Father. Because he is the express image of his person. He, he, no man has seen God at any time, but this man, the Lord Jesus Christ, portrays the express image of the Godhead. In him dwells the fullness of the Godhead. He now upholds all things by the word of his power. Do you know I find that so profound? That really is so profound. He now upholds the laws of what we call physics that hold everything together, the forces that hold the atoms and the molecules and the matter in its place, and it's actively by him at this time. If you believe that, if God the Spirit reveals that to you, you will not have the slightest difficulty in believing the scriptures concerning the miracles that he performed. How did he make five loaves and two fishes, into enough food to feed 5,000 men plus their families and gather up 12 baskets of the leftovers. How did he do that? Because he upholds all things by the word of his power. Show us the Father and it sufficeth us. Philip, have I been so long with you and you have not seen me? He who has seen me has seen the Father. He actively upholds the physical laws of this world this universe, by that same word which said in the beginning, let there be light. That was Christ that said, let there be light. Colossians 1.17 says, he is before all things, and in him all things consist. That's saying exactly the same as upholding all things by the word of his power. He, as Colossians again says, Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the invisible God. You can't see God, but Christ is the image of him. In verse 19 of Colossians chapter 1, it says that in him all fullness dwells, the fullness of the Godhead bodily. God says from heaven, and he was heard several times in the earthly ministry of Christ, this is my beloved son, and people heard that voice from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him, listen to him. Ought you not to listen to him? This is our God revealed. God has spoken and then it says, God has spoken to us 2 verse two in these last days he's spoken unto us by his Son He's spoken to us not to all men without exception, but to those he calls those to whom he gives ears to hear for not all people have ears to hear the truth of God those to whom by his spirit, he brings spiritual life, the new birth, and gives faith to believe him. How do I know I'm amongst this number? I believe him. Those he calls his sheep, his sheep, who he says, he is the good shepherd. My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. That's who he speaks to. That's the us that he speaks to, his sheep. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. The rest of the world went on its way towards eternal destruction. Abram heard God's call in an idolatrous society in Ur of the Chaldees. Abraham heard that call because God, in sovereign grace, called Abram. The many sons that he will bring to glory hear that call. That's in chapter 2 of Hebrews, verse 10, bringing many sons to glory. He's going to bring many sons to glory, and they are the ones to whom God speaks by his Son. In Matthew 11, verse 27, Jesus says this, no man knoweth the Son, but the Father. Yeah, I get that. Neither knoweth any man the Father, save the Son. Yes, I know that. The Father is invisible to me. I cannot see him. But if Christ should reveal him, I'll see him. Listen what it says. And he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. What did we see in John 17 earlier? Uh, He's given... Christ has power over all flesh to give eternal life to as many as the Father gives to him. Why is God hiding in plain sight? Why is he hiding in plain sight? Because he, in sovereign grace, reveals the hidden mystery of saving grace in his son to his sheep. They are the us who hear and believe and follow. Let me ask you, are you hearing anything? Are you hearing anything? Can you hear anything at all? Maybe you can, but you don't know what to do. You know when the young Samuel was given to Eli to serve in the, in the tabernacle, uh, in, the, in the start of uh, 1 Samuel, and the young Samuel heard the voice of the Lord, and he thought it was Eli calling him. And two or three times he went to Eli and said, you, no, 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 I didn't call you myself. You go back to sleep, go back to your bed. And then Eli perceived it was the Lord speaking to him. And he said, next time you hear it, say this, speak, Lord. For thy servant heareth. Is he speaking to you? Say this. This is the prayer. Whoever you are, this is it. You know, when everybody else is going about their pointless worldly existence, which will end in destruction, for there is no hope in it. Say this. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. If it please you, speak truth to my soul. Speak words of accomplished redemption. We'll finish with this. Look what it says. I'm just, I'm just going to look at, at, at a phrase in verse 3. Yeah, He upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. This is the message. God has spoken to us. What message? Words of accomplished redemption. Christ, the glorious revelation of the hidden God, is now, verse 3, sat down. I put an article by Don Fortner in the bulletin. Read that. Very good. He's sat down, which means that he's completed his work. He has purged our sins. He's taken them away. He's removed them. We're completely cleansed from them if we're in him. There are no sins left to be paid for, to be punished. He has justified his people by removing our sins. The Bible is God's message to his sheep, that he has paid their ransom price from the bondage of sin, which we're all in by nature. So that when we leave this life in the flesh, as we will, that when we leave this life, that very day when we leave this life, which we all must, sooner or later, that very day, he promises us we will be with him in paradise. Is that not a life filled with rich meaning? Hallelujah. Amen.